Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, you get to hear a special Mother's Day message given by Pastor Roy this past Sunday. Pastor Roy is looking at the example of Moses' mother from Exodus chapter 2 and what kind of an impact a mom can have. The title of today's message is, When a Mom Stands Tall. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along with Pastor Roy. We're going to take a break from our series that we've been doing. We've been doing a series on prayer, and um, we're going to pick that up again next week. But let me just say, put in a little plug right now, uh, as we've been going through that series of portraits of people who pray. Uh, we will pick that up next week, and uh, we had a good uh, number here Wednesday night for our corporate prayer meeting. Uh, our Awana ministry is done for the summer, and so we're encouraging our church body to be here on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock for corporate prayer. Uh, we broke up into small groups all over the auditorium, and there were voices being raised to heaven uh, for about an hour. And so I just praise the Lord for that, and I know that's where the power is that we would be a praying church. And so I encourage you to come and be a part of that prayer meeting because that is what God is going to move the hand of God as we seek Him. And also just to encourage you uh, to continue to contact our government officials. Uh, we've talked about the same-sex marriage deal, uh, that we are opposed to that, and we uphold the biblical definition of marriage in Genesis 2. I made several calls this week uh, to the White House and government officials encouraging them respectfully to uphold the biblical definition of marriage and also to encourage them to do something with the ISIS uh, group. And I pray for them because they need a lot of wisdom to even know what to do. But we as the church need to stand up and, and be counted uh, and speak our, our voice. Today we're going to talk about when a mom stands tall. Uh, if you open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2, and while you're opening there, um, I found something interesting that said how moms are the most quizzed people. Um, it said there was a survey done in the UK involving 1,000 mothers found that moms may be the most quizzed people on the planet. On average, from breakfast to afternoon tea time, remember this is in the UK, the average stay-at-home mom faces one question every two minutes and 36 seconds. That adds up to about 105,120 questions per year. The questions spike during mealtimes. Girls age four are the most curious, asking an incredible 390 questions a day. On the other end of the spectrum, boys age 9 ask the least amount of questions. According to the survey, the moms claim that these were the top five toughest questions in order. Here they are. Number one, why is water wet? Number two, where does the sky end? Number three, what are shadows made of? Number four, why is the sky blue? Number five, how do fish breathe underwater? So these are some of the challenging questions that moms get. How many moms here today have kids that ask endless questions? <laughs> have any? They don't want to raise their hand because their kids are sitting next to them. Anyhow, 
uh, little Johnny's new baby brother was screaming up a storm, and Johnny asked his mom, where did we get him? He came from heaven, Johnny. Wow, I can see why they threw him out. So, <laughs> so kids, they just take everything so literal. Today we're going to talk about a mom that, um, actually if you read down through this account in Exodus chapter 2, you won't even know who the mother is because the name is not even mentioned in that passage. You have to go to another passage to find out who it's even talking about and we're talking about the mother of Moses, Jochebed. And she is a woman who's barely mentioned in the Bible, but yet had an incredible impact on the world and on biblical history because she gave birth to Moses. Jochebed stood tall because of her courageous faith. We read in Hebrews 11.23, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. And now this new king comes on the scene. He doesn't know anything about Joseph, anything about the generations, anything about the history that had happened. And he sees the Israelite people growing bigger and stronger and bigger and multiplying. And he becomes a little nervous. So he says, we've got to put these people to work and work them ruthlessly and hard, bitter labor. And not only that, he told the midwives who were looking over the Hebrew children or mothers Whenever they're giving birth to a Hebrew male child, kill them. Kill them because we're having too many, too many babies, too many children, and they're going to overtake us. And so that was what kind of world uh, Moses grew up in and came to be in. Here's something I want to remind us of. By faith, Moses, when he was born, oh, I, I did that, was hid. Uh, the child saw he was beautiful. They were not afraid of the king's edict. <clears throat> you ought to forgive me. I am battling a lot of congestion. And so if I say something twice or do something that doesn't even make sense, it's okay because I don't know. I'm a little bit in a fog this morning with this uh, congestion. The ability to conceive a child is a gift from God. And that's what Jacobed realized, that this child Moses was a gift from God, a beautiful gift from God. She became pregnant with this third child during her pregnancy. If we go back to Numbers chapter 26, listen to this verse. The name of Amram's wife was Jacobed, a descendant of Levi who was born to the Levites in Egypt. To Amram, she, was, she bore Aaron, Moses, and their sister, Miriam. So Moses was the third child. He'd, she'd already given birth to Miriam and Aaron, and now this third child comes on the scene. And if you were to look at history and what was happening, that male babies were being killed, if you were a mother, you would be praying for a daughter, not a son. So now we see that the gender of this child is the wrong gender. It's the wrong time because male children are being killed. And into that, here she's carrying this child for nine months, thinking, I'm going to deliver this child, and the child is going to die. But she, because of her courageous faith, said, no, I'm going to hide this child. God has his hand on this child. 
And by courageous faith, she hides a child for three months. Hey, would you like that assignment, mom? To hide a screaming, crying baby for three months? <laughs> um, that would be a challenge uh, to do. And yet that's what Jacobet did because she believed that God had a plan and a purpose with this child who later became known as Moses. She did not have the option of even having an ultrasound to know what the baby would be. Let me remind us of this. What begins as a cell at conception and in the womb as the child is conceived. He sees that. I remember when we were expecting our children and the doctor asked us if we wanted to have a test performed to find out if our child might have some birth defects, and we declined. I'm sure lots of couples would want to know so they could terminate the pregnancy, so their life would not be interrupted by having to raise a challenging child. But we believed that whatever that child was, gender-wise, health-wise, any otherwise, was a gift from God, and that was the gift that God gave us. And we need to believe that. God allowed Moses to be born with a handsome appearance. If we go back into chapter 1, these two ladies, down in verse 15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Pua, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Here was a great example again of the Hebrew midwives fearing God. And what did God do? He blessed them with families of their own because they feared God. What a great example to us that we need to fear God as well. God not only allows the birth of new life, he also sustains the life of the mother in childbirth. Thank you very much. In Genesis chapter 35, Rachel gives birth to Benjamin, her last son, and dies in childbirth. So it's just a reminder to moms, when you give that birth, your life is on the line as well, and God spares you in childbirth. And thankfully... Right, guys? We don't have to give birth because <laughs> we wouldn't be able to handle it. And so thank you, mothers, for going through that. Um, and yet these midwives were blessed because God gave them their families of their own. The birth order is also determined by God. Um, the gender, the hair color, the eyes, the complexion, 
the intelligence, everything has been given to them by God. It's all a gift from God. Their height, their weight, their personality, even their appetite is a gift from God. How many of you have kids that eat you out of a house and home? <laughs> Say, no, I don't want to go there, right? Um, it reminded me of what you get when you cross a praying manis with a termite, a bug that says grace before it eats your house. Moses' good looks, though, spared his life. In Acts 7.20, it says, At this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight, and he was brought up for three months in his father's house. This whole idea of beautiful... his fate might have been wholly different. And so even God used his beauty to spare his life. And not only uh, the courageous faith of Jochebed was there, she, when she built that little basket, in chapter 2, she builds this little basket, she puts tar and pitch around it so that it will float, she puts it in the Nile, and she walks away, and she has Miriam, her daughter, watch what's going to happen. See, she, she really cared about her son, but she wanted to protect him and provide for him, but she had to let him go. And, he gets in, and she gets in that water, and Pharaoh's daughter, here's the baby. See, here's the thing. God is always at work, even on the other side. People around us that God can use. And Pharaoh's daughter looked at that child and had to know that was a Hebrew child, and not only a Hebrew child, it was no longer a baby. It was, I mean, it was three months old. It was a baby, but it was three months old. It was a Hebrew child, and by rights, that child should have been killed. But God touched the heart of Pharaoh's daughter to take that baby in and raise that baby. And what a blessing. And not only took that baby in, but she said, you know what? I need someone to nurse this baby and care for this baby. And Miriam runs over and says, I, you want me to find somebody? <laughs> and she said, yes, go find somebody. And she goes and gets Jochebed, Moses' mother, and gives the baby back to her, and not only gives the baby back to her, but says, here, I'll pay you to take care of this child. So not only did she get to then care for her child, she got paid to do it. Most moms don't get paid to do that, but she got paid to do that because of her incredible, incredible faith. Jacobed's courageous faith enabled her to believe that divine approval is more important than public praise in raising children. The divine approval of God is more important than public praise of man in raising children. We need to understand that a mom stands tall when she is more concerned about what God thinks about her mother than how the general public feels about her role. What experiences do you want your children to have to enable them to be spiritual champions for Christ? How do you impress upon your children the importance and significance of worshiping God? How are you imparting to your children an appetite for God's word and a spirit of humility for prayer? Divine approval is also more important than your children's approval of your mothering. You see, parents can be guilty of wanting to be friends with their small children. Yes, we are to love and care for our children and have good relations with them, but we're the parent. We're not the friend. We're a parent. 
And therefore, we have to discipline, and we have to do those things that are difficult as parents. And man, it was difficult as parents to discipline our children, but you know what? God requires us to do that. And the divine approval is more important. And I would encourage you as moms and dads, but we're talking to mothers today, it is necessary to spank your children. If your children never do anything wrong and never defy you or disobey you, then come and talk to me because there's something wrong with them. <laughs> Our children were not perfect and they had to be spanked and disciplined. But you know what? We always went back to the book of Proverbs and said, here's what God's word says about spanking, about the rod of correction and why we do it. It's done in love. And what is the purpose of that correction? Discipline to teach and instruct. Not in anger. And, and with the right amount of energy. And yes, it's supposed to hurt. <laughs> I told him, you know, that hurts. Yes, it's supposed to hurt. Why? Because when you do wrong, it hurts. That's why I wanted them to know. When you do wrong, it hurts. And that's what I wanted them to, to learn. And so discipline is very, very important that we discipline. And even spanking, look it up in the Bible. It's there. It's biblical to do it. And we need to do it. And I can tell you, my dad believed in it. He believed in spanking because I had a few. And thank God he spared me. <laughs> but it is so necessary. And I am appreciative of those spankings and discipline and shaping of my life. So vital. The culture does not praise stay-at-home moms. You're not going to have people perched on your doorstep to say, oh, what a great stay-at-home mom you are. I just praise you and thank you for that. The culture is not going to do that. You may not even be praised for having a house that is always in order when you're raising small children, but that's okay. There are more than one time when I was walking through the house barefoot and stepped on a toy and, ow, <laughs> you know, because things were not always in order. They don't need to always be in order when you have small children. They need to play. I know when we were out in our front yard, uh, we had bare spots in the front yard. God forbid that you'd have a bare spot in your yard, but you know what? We had bare spots because we played in the yard. You know, it was a wonderful thing. And we need to be able to have that opportunity for kids to have that and to grow and to learn. 1 Thessalonians 2.6, Paul says, We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. When you do your mothering, you are not looking for praise from men. Paul said in their, their leadership, leading the church, they were not looking for praise from men. And I apply that to moms today. As you do your mothering, you are not looking for praise from men. You're looking for praise from God. That should be the desire. How many moms here today have or had children who engage in a good bit of sibling rivalry? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> there was a mother who was preparing pancakes for her sons, Kevin, age five. The other one was actually named Ryan, age three. The boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake. Their mother saw the opportunity for a moral lesson. If Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Kevin turned to his younger brother and said, Ryan... You be Jesus. <laughs> um, took it literally, again, uh, wanting to do that. So there's always lessons to be learned, isn't there? 
Jochebed pleased God by her faith. Secondly, Jochebed stood tall because of her comprehensive example. She was an example. Her example was demonstrated not just for a day or two or a month or two, but for years. She stood tall because she trusted in God. Even when Moses was not with her and was with, with the Egyptians and Pharaoh's daughter, she trusted God. I'll never forget, we had a doctor's appointment. Um, my wife and I, we were expecting Brandon. I didn't really get a chance to clear this with you, Ryan, so hopefully you'll be okay with this. <laughs> um, he probably remembers this, but we decided to take Ryan with us to the doctor visit as we were getting an appointment, getting an ultrasound and everything for Brandon, seeing how his development was coming along. And of course, the mom comes in, lays on the table, raises her shirt, and they put that ultrasound thing on the belly and check it out, make sure baby's doing fine. Everything was going well. Mom gets up, gets off the table. Ryan jumps up on the table. He's like two years old, lays down, jerks his shirt up like that. <laughs> and the doctor comes and puts the ultrasound thing on there and checks him out, says he's good. So I was, I was happy because we got two ultrasounds for the price of one. Um, but I'll never forget that. It's just, you know, kids. Um, but the point is, what was he doing? He watched mom's example, what she was doing. All he was doing was repeating what he saw. He didn't understand everything he saw and what was going on, but he said it must be okay because mom's doing it. Is that right, Mom that our kids watch what we do and say, well, it must be okay because mom's doing it or mom's saying it. I remember a kid riding to school one day with his mother, and he said, mom, as they get to school, where were all the idiots this morning on the road? <laughs> there were no idiots on the road today. And she says, what do you mean? She says, well, when dad takes us to school, there's a bunch of idiots on the road. <laughs> the example... The words that come out of our mouths and the things we say and do have such an impression, don't they? Jacobed stood tall because she trusted in God. We also see the example who had sincere, genuine faith, and that was to be passed on to the children from generation to generation. And now Timothy rises up and becomes a leader in the church, what, to pass on the faith. That's the way it ought to work. And I realize that we have families here today that probably have children that are not walking with the Lord, and my heart goes out to you. And I pray almost daily for you, for you as parents and for your children. I can tell you I cry out to God for you. 
because it's a difficult place to be. But I know that God hears and answers prayer, and I want to encourage you to persevere in prayer for your children. Don't ever stop. God is at work. Even though you can't see what's going on inside, God is at work. We have to believe that. But what a wonderful example we have there of a grandmother and a mother passing on the faith to Timothy and him taking up the mantle of leadership. She lived, Jacobed lived fully engaged in her present situation, and she trusted God with her future. She did not get overwhelmed by all the what-ifs. What if they find out I've kept my son? What will they do to me? What if they take my son and execute him? What if they take it out on my husband or even my other children? What a testimony she had. She was not willing to let him go. What a lesson for Moses to learn from his mother's example. Can you imagine Moses growing up to be a young man? Mom, I've been studying history, and I've learned from the Egyptians that they killed all the Hebrew males. Why am I alive? Why am I here? <laughs> well, son, God spared you. God worked through the Hebrew midwives. God's hand has been upon you since birth. And you know what, son? God's going to use you in a special way. And what did he do? He became the deliverer. God began to put in motion with the birth of Moses the deliverance of his people. A great work. Because of this woman's faith who trusted God and her example Jacobed didn't just toss him in the water. She meticulously covered this basket so it would float and not sink. And this rudderless basket found its way into the hands of Pharaoh's daughter. She stood tall because she trusted in God. spouses, you're a mother, and not only do you have a difficult time coming to church, but you have the influence of maybe an ungodly husband on your children. And I praise you for your courage and boldness to take a stand for Christ, to pray for your husband, to seek to be an example to your husband. That is not easy, but God can help you. And he says, that even if they don't obey the word, they can be won over without a word. A picture paints a thousand words. Your living illustration can point them to God. And I encourage you in that, and I applaud you in that, that you would continue to do that and to be that in front of your husbands. It goes on to say in verse 2, when they see your... words. The same idea is found in 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What are some of the examples here? The example of submission, of placing yourself under the authority of your husband, but yet under the authority of God. 
that if he would ask you to do anything contrary to what God says, you obey God first. God has to be the supreme authority in our lives. But the submission of authority that you give and the honor that you show to your husband will be a great testimony to your children that you have been committed to your marriage and it'll be a great example. You're not belittling or criticizing your husband. You are praying for him and seeking to be an example. Also the example of purity. He says again in 1 Peter 3, 2, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, children will learn far more about purity from your example, moms, than a hundred sermons. I believe that. The way you dress, the way you conduct yourself, that you are modest, that you are pure in your speech, will mean more than a hundred sermons. You're given several sermons a day by your example. Your commitment to your marriage, the commitment to God is what matters. In 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, he goes on to say, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. We also see the example of respect, that you are respecting your husband, not just for your husband's sake, however. You are respecting your husband for the testimony of the gospel's sake. That you are wanting God to be magnified in your life that your husband will be drawn toward God because you are the living illustration of God to your husband who's lost. And as he sees your testimony your life, your love for God, your commitment to God, he is going to be drawn to God, saying, I don't know what you have, but I want it. What a great example. The respect that is there. Also, the example of gentleness. You're not abrasive or offensive. You are gentle in your conduct. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? Gentle and Meekness, not loud and boisterous, not throwing your weight around, but you have a quiet spirit. Not that you can't speak, but you don't always have to speak. Jacobed's faith is rewarded. She gets to nurse Moses and is paid for it. She's also, her faith is also rewarded because what happens to Moses? He grows up into a man to be one of the great leaders that God used to deliver his people out of Egyptian bondage. If you take your Bible and flip back for a moment to Hebrews chapter 11, it is the faith chapter of the Bible. And here's what it says beginning in verse 23. By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Why? Because their faith in God was more powerful than their fear of the king. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He said, I am not giving up my identity. I am one of the Hebrew children. 
I am one of God's people. And he says, here's what it says then in the next verse. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ. Listen, as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. <laughs> so what do we see in Moses? I see Jacobed's faith. Jacobed's faith was transferred to Moses. Jacobed's example was transferred to Moses. And he became an example and became into the most powerful person on the face of the planet and said, let my people go. A man of incredible faith for God. That's what we want, moms. We want to pass on that faith. When a mom stands tall with her courageous faith, her comprehensive example, you will stand tall. Let's stand for a word of prayer. ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And while you do that, moms, it's always an opportunity and a reminder to recommit ourselves to our task as a mother. Those of us who are not mothers as well, to remind us of the task that we have as well, to be examples to our children. How are you doing with that? To be reminded that your child is a gift from God. He gave you the children he wanted you to have. And children, he gave your parents the parents he wanted you to have. What kind of example are we setting? It's important that we set the kind of example of a courageous faith and a comprehensive example in every area of our life our respectful speech, our submission, our purity, our quiet spirit. All those things are essential because the exact opposite of what the world does and says. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's where a relationship with God begins. Jesus Christ died on the cross for sin. He sent his only son. Sin, we, the Bible says we are conceived in sin, we are born in sin. We are sinners by chance because we're born in sin, but we are also sinners by choice. We choose to sin. And therefore, God has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for sin that we could be forgiven and be in a right relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you have heard that truth before, but you have not yet embraced it. I encourage you and invite you to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ into your life today if you don't know him. If you have questions, I'll be shaking hands at the back or giving an arm bump at least. Uh, would you see me if you have questions or talk to someone about your soul before you leave today? Let's bow together for a word of prayer. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If 
you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.